Good morning. Again, it's, uh, it's great to be here. It's a joy every Sunday to gather with a group of people that are not perfect, that are not, uh, we, we find that out every Sunday morning, that we're not perfect. And yet we continue to gather, we continue to encourage one another, we continue to build each other up and point to a Savior who is perfect. And so it's with that that uh, I take a lot of joy in leading us this morning to the Word of God. Uh, as I said earlier, my name's Joel, and most of you know me, but if you don't know me, I'm an, I'm an elder here, and I get to serve with Mark and with uh, Matt, who's in the back, and Jeremiah, who's actually preaching in Palm Bay this morning at uh, Matt Helmenteller's church, Bayfront Village Church, and so I get the opportunity to share and to kick off a new series that we're starting. The, today we launched the series on the Apostles' Creed, and m- maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you were part of um, the group that went through the Bible study on the Apostles' Creed just recently. Or maybe you've never heard of it. Um, maybe you've, you've heard Apostles' Creed, but you don't know the actual creed. That's kind of the case that I find myself in, having grown up in the church, but I grew up in a non-denominational church where we didn't, we didn't recite it. We didn't look at it all that often, but there's other denominations that read it every Sunday. And so it's become this gift that you, that you have. But it, if you haven't heard of it, you may just be thinking of a video game, but that's Assassin's Creed, and that's a little different. So today we're going to go through Apostles' Creed. Um, but as, as I've experienced it and read it this week and, and studied it, it's been a, a real treat and a real joy and a gift that the, the church fathers have given us. And so it's interesting that we get to start that on a Sunday that's a first Sunday where we've already done question and answer. And so we're using all these different things that we've been given throughout um, the history of Christianity. And what a joy to be able to do that. I want to start this morning by simply reading the creed. Um, As we move through the next couple weeks, we may recite it together. But this morning, I just want to read it to you. And I'd love for you to listen to hear what it has to say, and to follow along with the slides behind me. Um, But I'll read it aloud, and you can just read the words. The Apostles' Creed starts, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Christ Jesus, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So one question you may have, um, it was asked in our house, is, is why would we preach a sermon series on the Apostles' Creed? If you've been here for more than a month, I say more than a month because last month we kind of skipped around for Advent, but if you've been here for more than a month, you know that normally we'll pick a book of the Bible or a section of the Bible and we'll preach through that verse by verse expositorily. We do that so that the hope is we don't take things out of context, we don't make the story different by only having parts of it, but we get the fullness of the story. But every once in a while... We'll look at God's Word, we'll zone in on a certain topic, and we'll see what God has to say about that topic. And this month, we're going to be looking at this particular creed, which does this this favor 
of condensing the whole of Scripture, the whole of the gospel message into something that we can really memorize, we can remember, we can uh, recall easily. And it's, so it's a concise saying that consumes all of Scripture, that has it all there. And so that's the gift that we've been given. It's a gift that we've been given by, like I said earlier, the church fathers. Wiser men than us have plumbed the depths of, of Scripture, have looked at it, and it's withstood hundreds of years of criticism, of saying, well, may, maybe that's not in line with Scripture, and yet it, it's still in line with Scripture. And so that's, that's what we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks. They didn't do that in isolation, but they did it in community as the church. I think that's key for us. Why do we even come on Sundays? We come on Sundays because we know that if, if we were to just go and read the Word by ourselves sometimes, we would read ourselves into that. We'd make it say what, what we want it to say, just like we do everything else. And yet, we've been given the gift of the church, the gift of fellowship, the gift of community, to be able to do these things together. And so that's how the Apostles' Creed was written in community. When asked what place the creeds have in the church, John Piper answered, I think they have a really important place, but they aren't to be a replacement for the Bible, and they shouldn't be given equal authority to the Bible. Rather, they are to be considered faithful expressions of the Bible. So what we have in the Apostles' Creed is a faithful expression of the Bible. This morning I'm not going to preach Apostles' Creed, I'm going to preach the Bible. The authority that God has given us, His Word. We're going to be in Romans chapter 1. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the benches next to you, the, the blue paperback Bibles. Feel free to take that, make it yours, underline it. Hopefully there's a pen somewhere around too. Sometimes they get kicked to the floor. But you can underline it, you can make notes in that Bible, you can take it home with you, or you can leave it for the next person to, to look at your notes. But we want to um, look at the Word of God together. Again, we've been given this gift of the church, of community, to be able to read his word. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 18, and we're going to read through 25. I'll read, and if you'll follow along with me, Romans 1.18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Pray with me. God, I thank you that um, you have given us your word. Lord, that you said it's, it's a two-edged sword that would pierce our hearts. 
that would speak truth and expose lie. And so we would ask that you would do that this morning. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the kids that are here, that are engaged, that are listening. Pray that you would speak to them. Lord, give them ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, we thank you that all over the world, your church, your universal church is gathering to give you praise and honor and glory, and we get to gather with them. Pray that you would show us your power, your might, your strength, who you are as creator God today in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're talking about the Apostles' Creed. We're going to take this first section that said, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We're going to look at Romans chapter 1 and see kind of how those two things parallel. But we're going to, we're going to look at Romans chapter 1 in its fullness. We're going to see God in this passage. So let's look together. Verse 18. What do we see about God? In Romans 1.18, well, first we see that he's just. We see that he will punish, that he'll pour out his wrath upon those who don't believe. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. When we don't believe the truth, when we suppress it, we are wrong. We are unrighteous. God did not punish those who are unrighteous, he would not be holy and righteous. He cannot abide sin. He is outside of sin. He is other than sin, and yet we are sinful people. We talked lately about how a just king will not allow rebels in his kingdom, right? We've talked about the way of the king, and then we talked about the forever king in our last two sermon series, and so we've seen what it means that a just king would not allow rebels like us in his kingdom. Verse 18 shows us that God Almighty is righteous, that he's holy. Verse 19 says, for what can be known about God is plain to them because he's shown it to them. We see that God is compassionate. How is he compassionate? Well, he's revealed himself to us. He's, who are we that he would reveal himself to us, and yet he's done it through all of creation? He's revealed his character to us, both as the creator, which is more general revelation, but he's also, like we said earlier, through the scriptures, he's given us his special revelation. He's given us the whole story of God. And so we have this, the kindness of God, the compassion of God revealed to us. And so we see that God is compassionate. He reveals himself to a rebellious and sinful people. In verse 20, we continue to look at what this passage says about who God is. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. We have this gift that God's given us when we go outside, when we look to our left and right and see creatures that God has created. God has 
is, is God the creator and he's made this beautiful creation that points to a, a powerful God, an intricate God, a wise God who would create. When you think about creation, I think about orbiting planets that don't collide. Some of you guys are rocket guys. Think about the fact that those planets are not colliding. That in and of itself is amazing. You think about the snow. We don't think about it here often, although it's 50 today, so it's freezing, right? But think about a snowflake and when it's under the microscope and you can see the, the beautiful symmetry and geometry that's there. And, and how can we deny that a God, that someone outside of man would create that? The majestic panoramas, mountains, beaches, whatever it is that you are just blown away by, God created that. The idea of ecosystems and how they can uh, sustain different types of life. Life and death. Giving birth. Humans. Right? All of these things that God has created. And then humans in particular, he calls us image bearers. He says that we are very good. We talk, we've talked about it in Genesis when he created us. We're complex. And not just our anatomy and physiology, but our minds and the way we think and emotions. I have three girls. Emotions. They're complex. We're diverse. Get out of the individual person and, and just admiring that. But then you look at all of God's creation, all of the diversity of the people that he's created, and you're just blown away. Languages and cultures and different things. There has to be a God. Just like it says in verse 20, his invisible attributes, they're displayed in his creation. But what do we do with that knowledge? Well, we fail to give him thanks. Verse 21. We read it earlier. I'm not changing scripture, but I do want us to see that there's not a they and a them that's not an us and a we. So I'm going to read verse 21, and where it says they and them, I'm just going to put we. For although we know God, we do not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but we become futile in our thinking and our foolish hearts are darkened. It's hard for us to accept sometimes. But as we're going to continue to walk through, we're going to see that, that we are quick to rob God of his praise, to rob him of the glory and worship that's due his name. We talked about it just a couple of minutes ago when Mark was here. How quickly we go astray and chase after lesser things. We confess each week in our corporate prayer that he's God and we're not. And then we'll walk out of here thinking somehow that we're God, that we can control things, that we can fix things, that we can manipulate things. So that needs to be our constant confession, not just five minutes on Sunday mornings. Verse 22 says that what we in the world see as wisdom is foolishness. When we think about what's wise, well, what's wise is preparing for retirement, what's wise is having um, funds for my children so that they can go to school. What's wise is buying a, um, a car so that I can get to where I need to go. And, and yet all of that is temporal. 
All of that's going to fade and all of that's going to go away. And yet we've been given God's word, which says, which he says is eternal. And we chase after these lesser things and we look foolish. We are foolish. But we call it wisdom. We dress it up. And it's easy for me right now to say, well, that's the culture. That's not me. It doesn't take long of me just looking at where I've spent my time, talent, and treasure to realize that that's me too. It's foolish to deny that God exists and not to honor him with our lives. That's foolishness. Verse 23, as we continue to see how they failed to give him thanks, not only did that, they, instead of praising the eternal, immortal God, we worship mortal and temporary things. Instead of giving him thanks, God Almighty, we chase after these other things. I'm going to just, for simplicity, divide the whole world into two groups, irreligious and religious. You're one of, one of those two things, and, and we'll look at how the irreligious chase after these temporary things, and we'll see where we're, we're irreligious sometimes too. But the irreligious would chase after jobs. They would chase after uh, creating a career and a name. They would chase after appearances. When you watch commercials, you realize how much we invest into the way that we look, the way that we appear. The irreligious, the irreligious and the religious alike worship things like sports. You don't have to ask my wife. I'll just go ahead and confess now. I am a sports fan. Uh, love baseball. Get wrapped up in it really easily. And I quickly exchange the great thing of God for a lesser thing like baseball. I make it more than it's supposed to be. We all do it. Maybe not baseball. Although if you do, we can talk afterwards. But we all do that. We all exchange something good and we spend our time and our talent and our treasure chasing these other things. And then the religious, they find all kinds of people, things, and animals to worship. Literally to worship. To sacrifice at altars and different things. We even see it in Revelation. In Revelation 22, 9, we see John. He's been given this revelation of Jesus Christ. And so he begins to bow at the feet of the angel that came and gave him the revelation because to him, it's incredible. He's just blown away by it. And the angel says to him, but he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. We're told to worship God. Both of us, religious and irreligious, are honoring and giving thanks for temporary created things so often. And these created things are good things but they're not God. We're called to worship God. So we've seen how God has displayed his, his glory, his righteousness, his power in creation. We've seen how we've taken that and we've said, that's great, but uh, we don't give him thanks or we don't give him the praise that he's due. And then the third thing that we do is we come and we exchange the truth of God for a lie. You see, we were created and designed to worship. So the fact that we're worshiping is a good thing. That means that we're doing exactly what God designed us to do. We're giving glory. We're giving praise. 
We were made to praise God along with the rest of creation, and yet we've suppressed the truth. We've suppressed that he's God and he alone is worthy of worship. We've not honored God. So we exchange this truth for a lie. We begin by creating, even though we were created to worship, we don't worship the creator. There's only one thing left to worship. If we're not worshiping the creator, we're worshiping the created. We're worshiping creatures. And often, no matter what it is that we're looking at, it comes back to worshiping ourselves. We spend all of that to make ourselves happy. We begin by making ourselves the creature, the center of the story, instead of God, the almighty creator. Can I give you hope today that if maybe there's a, something that you're wrestling with, that you're like, why God? The good news is, is he's God and we are not. We are not the center of the story. And so we can be okay with wrestling with that and not understanding everything that he's doing. And because we're not the center of the story, which is, it, it's key that we understand that. Because even though that's just the beginning, it leads to this, this lie that taints all of our worship. If somehow we think that we're the center of the story, we worship even good things, even God, wrongly. With us at the center of the story, we now look at our lives, our circumstances, our relationships, and we see how they can be manipulated to please and honor and satisfy us. Look at verse 25 again. It says, they worshiped and served the creature. When we are not praising and honoring God, we will exchange the truth that God is great and worthy of worship and service for a lie that says that we are. We will serve and worship something. Later in Romans chapter 6, verse 18, Paul's talking about being slaves, and he's, he said that you have been slaves to sin, and then he says in verse 18, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. We will worship, we will serve, we will become slaves to something. We can either be slaves to sin, to ourselves, to being the center of our story, or we become slaves to righteousness, slaves to worshiping the right and true God. In Romans 1, we see the bad news. Right? This, is, this is the bad news of the gospel, but it's, it's news that we have to hear. We have to know this. We have to confess this to be true. Without God intervening, we will worship the created rather than the creator. Our culture points to this truth. If you watch the news, if you're on social media, if you have a television, a radio, if you have a neighbor you're going to see that our culture points to the truth that we should be the center of the story. And when we look closely, we see a story that is centered on us, the created. But it's not just culture. It's our own hearts, too. Whether it's our thoughts, our fears, our anxieties, they all revolve around us. The way we spend our time and money revolves around us. The things that give us satisfaction and comfort revolve around us. Our hearts, our own little idol factories, as, as Keller likes to put it, 
are constantly giving us new things to worship and serve that almost always come back to us, the created. So, it's what Romans 1, 18 through 25 says. But what are we to do? What do we do with that? Well, the good news is that later on this week, you can go back and read all of Romans, and you're going to see exactly what Paul says. But for the sake of time this morning, we're going to see that we can praise God that we can believe his truth. That's what we're called to do. I know it's much easier said than done, but the beauty of it is that God hasn't just said, hey, you, go do it by yourself. He's given us the gift of his church to do it with. It's a gift because in his church are believers that are prone to wander and forget, and yet we're commissioned to remind each other to preach the gospel to each other, to corporately, which means together, praise our God. The God that we just looked at, that is awesome and powerful and mighty, that is righteous and holy and just, that God, that's the one that we get to praise together. We are sent people with a mission to remember and proclaim the excellencies of our God, both to the lost And to those that are being redeemed. And the most excellent and glorious thing God has done is not us. It's not us. It's God himself in the person and work of King Jesus. King Jesus who is both there in creation. We know that that other parts of the Bible talk about King Jesus in Colossians being there. In the beginning, when God created, we know that in, in Genesis it says that He created image, that He created man in the image of us, in the plural form. So we see that God, that King Jesus was both there in creation, and, and we know that He will be the one to finally judge the wicked and spare those covered by the blood, by His own blood, according to Revelation. King Jesus who came and served and laid down his life as a ransom for many, according to Matthew 20, 28. In his commentary on our passage, Tim Keller says that we will see how we will escape the wrath of God. We'll see the fullness of the gospel later in Romans. But there's this hint that we have in verse 25 that gives us a clue. And it says, the creator who is blessed forever. When we stop suppressing the truth and believing the lie, we praise God for who he truly is and we see him in his word. We love him and desire him ultimately. He goes on to say, where do we find the motivation, the freedom, and the power to do this? It is only discovered in the gospel where we find that godless and wicked though we naturally are, in Christ we are loved and accepted and blessed It is as we understand the gospel, as we appreciate that our Lord is also our Savior, that we are led to find freedom in praising the Creator. How do we know we have understood and received the gospel when the thing we are most looking forward to in eternity is praising Him? (laughs) When the gospel has taken hold of our hearts, the greatest opportunity, the greatest joy that we have is giving praise to our God. You see, we deserve the wrath of God because we, 
just like the they that we read about, have worshipped and served the created rather than the creator. But God, in his infinite mercy and loving kindness, he sent Jesus. He sent his son Jesus to take the wrath for us, the wrath that we rightfully deserved. And instead of the penalty of our sin, he gave us his perfect righteousness. Jesus gave us his righteousness. And now we are no longer the unrighteous in verse 18, but we are in Christ. So as we read that, we, we saw the tendency of our own hearts to do those things, but we also know a greater truth that we are now in Christ. Now we are no longer those unrighteous. Now we have life. We are not dead because of our transgressions. We are not dead because of the wrath of God, but we are alive in Christ. Praise be to God for his grace. This is the gospel that we believe. This is the message of first importance that we read earlier, that we all read aloud together, that's been given to us. This is the good news, and so we praise God and believe this truth. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you We thank you for the good news of Jesus, that the King has come, that he was there in the beginning, that he's there at the end, and he's with us now, and he has made a way for us to stand where, um, where we shouldn't stand because of grace. He's received the wrath that... that was due us. And he's given us the righteousness that he walked perfectly. Lord, we thank you that you've given us your word in Romans. Lord, I pray that you'd stir our hearts this week to go and read. Read your word. See your face and your beauty. That we would look at creation and, and say there is a creator. He's good. He's perfect. God, that we would look at each other and say, you are an image bearer of God. And we would marvel at, at a creator who would do that. God, I pray that we would um, take the gifts that we've been given, the gifts of questions and answers, the gift of creeds, Lord, and we would use them to, to know more about who you are your love for us, your grace towards us. God, thank you for this morning. Pray that you would be honored and glorified in everything that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.